0: I think most of us as human beings have a natural tendency to be selfish. We just have the sense of wanting stuff. We like things to come our way and we want life to go our way. You know for lots of really young kids the first words they learn are mama and dada but it doesn't take long before they learn the word mine as well. It's a concept that comes pretty quickly and most of us don't lose that really quickly either. We hang on to that for a long time. And so the question is, how do we sort of move away from that? And it's not easy. It's a concept called submission, which is seeing the needs of others as more important than our own needs. And we come to that sort of in a very difficult way because our culture says, hey, get whatever you can out of life. You deserve it. And so pursue what you want at all costs. And we get used to that. Our economy is built on the invisible hand, the philosophers say, of Self interest, which says if we all operate according to what's best for me, in the end, things are going to work out. But the problem with that is families, relationships, church doesn't work if we're all just trying to get what's best for me. But I think that's pretty common in our world. People wanting what they want and wanting it the way they want it and putting that above everything else. But that can become a tyranny. And what I mean by that is it's almost like a drug. We get a little bit of what we want and we love it so much. We like it that way that we want more and we pursue more. And we always want just a little bit more. And we end up using all of our resources just trying to get what we want. It takes over. And it becomes exhausting just trying to maintain that level of stuff and trying to maintain that level of control over life. And yet, we do it over and over. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy ourselves. And the other big problem with that is when we live our lives in that way, there is very little room for God to operate. Because if we're focused completely on getting what we want and all our time and all our energy is used for controlling things and manipulating things so that we get more stuff, we accumulate more money, and everything sort of goes the way we plan it, there's no room for God to do anything. I mean, yeah, we'll give him maybe a, an hour every other Sunday, but how can God really operate under those circumstances when we've blocked him out and everything is under our control So the concept of submission which says I'm not gonna pursue everything I want at all costs is one of the answers to that problem but I think in our culture that's so hard to get because our culture says that doesn't make any sense so we need a biblical basis for that and that's what I want us to do this morning is to look at what scripture has to say first I want us to think about what Jesus has to say about this in Mark chapter 8 We see Jesus telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to be killed and then I'm going to be raised from the dead. Now when Peter hears that, he says, Jesus, you shouldn't be talking like that. In fact, he rebukes Jesus for saying this. Hey, that sounds weak. That sounds like defeat. We don't want to think about you dying. We want to think about victory. Jesus, in turn, rebukes Peter and calls him Satan at that moment. And then we have this passage which follows all that, beginning in Mark 8, 34. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own soul? So Jesus says. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be a disciple, then what you've got to do is deny yourself. Well, that's not very popular, is it? You've got to deny yourself. You've got to say to to yourself no. No. I'm not going to fulfill that desire, that appetite. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to say no. Because there's something more important at stake here. Now, it's hard to get ourselves where we're ready to hear that lesson, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Jesus is saying, all that stuff that's about, hey, getting my way and getting my stuff and accumulation, you need to take that, you need to take that out of your life, and you need to set it aside. Whatever there's that drive to control things and get it your way, take it out, set it aside. The question is, what are you going to put in its place? And Jesus tells us, the cross. The cross. Now, when ancient people heard that, the, the people who are listening to Jesus, and he says, Take up your cross, they're thinking execution. They're thinking being killed. They're thinking defeat. And yet, Jesus says, That's what needs to be at the center of your life. And so, what we as Christians have to think about is okay, If Jesus was willing to go to the cross, if Jesus took up his cross, what does that mean? Well, Jesus did that because he knew we had a need. He knew that our need was for forgiveness because we're all sinners. He knew our need was eternal life that would be found only after he died and was raised from the dead. So, in the midst of our, the middle of our life where we take out all this desire for accumulation and control, Jesus is saying what you need to put there is the cross because the cross is all about giving the cross is all about seeing the needs of other people and sacrificing part of who you are and for Jesus everything that he was for the needs of others it's a whole different way of living and Jesus says when you do that you're, you're not living the life that the world says you need to live, so you're giving something up, but what you're gaining is real life. So there's these moments in life. Maybe you've had one of these. A moment of revelation, when you saw something you'd never seen before. And I think that's what Jesus is pointing at here, is that there are these moments when because the Spirit is at work within us and, and we have this ability to finally see for maybe even a second, a fleeting second... How I could take my life and I could use it to help other people. And in that moment, I'm ready to do something different. And when we see that, it all opens up. And we see life for what it really is. Not the accumulation of stuff and the control of the course of life, but instead a willingness to give of ourselves. And Jesus says, that's life in that moment you gain life rather than substituting for that real thing the false truth that our world gives us that when you have enough stuff you'll be happy so that's what Jesus says Let's listen to what Paul says as well. we're going to turn to a passage we talked about just a few weeks ago. We're going to look at that first. It's in Philippians chapter two. we have this practical section and then theological section, both ba- both based on how we spend our lives. So Philippians two verse three, Paul says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." In other words, don't act out of okay i want to accomplish this and i want to do it because i want a reputation as a person who's a great leader who accomplishes stuff who gets it done who has really made something of himself or herself that's not how christians act instead in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus so Instead of that acting out of selfish ambition, that's the very thing that Jesus called us to take out of our lives. Instead, we put the needs of others above our own. We look at what's going on in the life of people that surround us and say, Okay, what can I do for them rather than how can I maintain control so I get what I want when I want it? And he says when we do that, we see something special. And we begin to see the mind of Christ, verse 6. It's talking about Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Literally, something to be grasped, something to be held on to. In other words, Jesus didn't say, I've got this glory and I'm not going to let it go. Instead, Jesus opened his hands and allowed that to sort of fade from him for those moments that he was on earth. Paul describes it this way, rather he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being one of us. He let go of all that so that he could be here with us. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. And there we are again, the cross, at the heart of who we need to be because it's in the cross that Jesus, Jesus shows his complete humility, his complete obedience, his complete submission to God's plan and to our needs. Even though he, we know he didn't want to do it, his prayer is that it wouldn't happen. Another place that we could look at this is over in Ephesians chapter 5. This is a a really practical passage of Scripture that lays out how do families interact, okay? How do husbands treat wives and wives treat husbands? How do parents uh, treat their children and their children treat their parents? But before he gets to all those specifics, he lays out the context in which this can work. And we find that in Ephesians 5 verse 21. Very simple. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ so if you want family relationships to work the place you begin is mutual submission looking to the other people in the family and saying okay what can i do for them not what do i get out of this not what's in it for me or what have they done for me or what are they going to do for me but what can i do for them. And why? Because we're followers of Jesus who gave himself completely for us. So in Jesus teaching and in Paul's teaching, we have this truth that they're calling us to. And I and I would word it this way. Submission teaches us to see beyond ourselves. And that's how the spiritual transformation takes place. Because when we're focused on me and what I want and what I can accumulate and control, then there is no way for God to work. But when I choose to submit my needs to the needs of others, it begins to take the focus off myself. You see, we focus sometimes down so tightly on what's going on in my life, what's surrounding me, and what I want to happen, that it's all about me. And both Jesus and Paul say, widen that focus out so that it's large enough to see the needs of the people around you. And then God has room to work in you to make you different. Submission can help us see beyond ourselves. So how do we do this? Three steps that I think can help us in this. First of all, we need to take take stock of ourselves. That means we've got to look in our own lives. That may not be very pleasant because we may want to think we're generous and and that we look out for the needs of others, but If we really look deep, we might see that that's not so much the case. We might look at our calendar and our checkbook. If you looked at your calendar and your checkbook for the last month, would they say that you're focused in on your own needs? Or would they say that you've also cared for the needs of others? Is there any room for anyone but yourself when you look at your calendar and your checkbook. Maybe that's not pleasant. Maybe we don't really want to hear what those two things might say to us. And yet we need that evaluation. We need to step back and say, okay, where am I in all this? Am I making room for anybody else in my life but me? And certainly the needs of anybody but me. And then second, we need to take note of the needs of others. We need to look around. What's going on in the lives of the people around us? And are we responding to any of that? So we look and see, okay, there are people in need. Now I think sometimes what comes to mind is a person standing on the street corner and they need some money to buy their next meal, and sometimes we can help with that, and that's great. And I don't want to, you know, take away from that, but I think more often what we need to look at are the people right around us, our families, our friends our church there are people in need all around us the needs may be different it may not be for the next meal and in some ways we can provide for the next meal but it's much harder when we begin to think okay there's somebody who's discouraged who's hurting who needs to know that somebody cares too, who needs to know that they're not forgotten that takes a little longer to deal with and yet, we as followers of Jesus are called to see those needs and to not say, you know, I really don't have time for that. I'm just too busy. I've got to get on to the next meeting, uh, the next planning session. But to take note of those needs, to take note of people who are hurting. You know, I think this is especially difficult for leaders. Maybe you're a leader at work, or maybe you're sort of a leader at home, or even here at church. And you know, leaders are people usually who have a vision for the future. They're thinking about what the future could look like, and they're pretty sure they're right. And so they lead people to go into that future. Well, sometimes what leaders do is they forget these people around them who are hurting, who need somebody to take note of them, because we're focused in on what should happen. But maybe the needs of those people around us should have something to say about that vision for the future. But it's easy to forget it. So, we need to take note of those needs. Third, we need to take the opportunity to serve someone else. It's great to look inside and evaluate, it's great to think about the needs of the others, but we've got to somehow apply this, do something with it, so we actually serve someone. We actually care for someone. And maybe that means making a telephone call to someone who's hurting or writing a note of encouragement to someone or taking some time out of our schedule to just spend time with someone who's alone. This could take lots of different forms and it all depends on the needs that surround you. But it usually involves our time. It usually involves our presence in someone's life. So are we willing to to spend some time are we willing to open up our lives to widen that focus so that we're showing people that their needs are more important than our needs and That might be uncomfortable It might sort of go against everything you've been doing for a very long time but the truth is we are followers of Jesus Christ and Jesus gave his very life for us. And it's out of that truth that this whole concept works. That we want to be people who are being transformed by God into something more. And One of the ways we do that is to somehow say what I want is not as important That's what some other people need. This doesn't mean that other people get to dictate how our lives go or force us to do any things or make demands on us. We're talking about a choice, a voluntary choice to say to other people, hey, let me help you. I know you're hurting. I know you have a need. Let me stand with you. Let me walk beside you. Let me make a difference in your life because I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, give us the courage to stand against what our culture says is just the way we should all live. And that's looking out for ourselves. Help us to see the needs of others. Help us to act on the needs of others. To follow Jesus' example as we do that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ has offered you the greatest gift. He has died on the cross for your sins. And maybe you're ready to receive that gift, put your faith in Him, be baptized into Christ, we would celebrate that decision, and we would walk with you through it. Or maybe you're already a baptized believer and you want to be a member of our church. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.